helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Welcome. My name is Melissa Wagon, and I am the co-host of the Life Transformation Show with Michael Hart. I am so excited that you have jo- decided to join us today. This week is our third part in our three-part series about narcissistic parents and the effects on their children. We're really excited to explore part three, which will be a discussion about the effects on children when you have a mom or a dad who is a narcissist. If you've missed part one or part two of this series, I really encourage you to go to our YouTube channel at Elam Counseling Services and have a listen to it there. It's really important you get the background to today's contact content because we really explore the concept of what does it mean to be a narcissist and also the differences between a mother being a narcissist as well as a dad being a narcissist and we'll use it as a reference for today's show. While you're on our YouTube channel, I also encourage you to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a show. We also want to remind you that Elam Counseling Services is a nonprofit organization and we do rely upon donations from people like yourself to keep this show on the air and also to provide our subsidized counseling services for people who need it most. If you feel led to provide us with a donation, you can do that by going to our Patreon page. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N slash Elam Counseling and make a donation there. Every little bit helps. We really thank you for considering it this morning. So as I said, this morning we are going to be exploring part two, which is of our three-part series, which is Children of Narcissistic Parents' parents and their effects. In our past episodes, we've really explored in depth, as I said, the par- parent involvement and the parent impact. But today, we're really going to spend a lot of time exploring the effects. And most importantly, we're going to dedicate most of the show to exploring how you can get help. So if one of, if you've been listening to this series and maybe you've identified your dad was a narcissist or maybe your mom was a narcissist and you begin to identify some of the effects in your own life and you've been wondering, now that I know this about myself, what do I do next? Stay tuned. Tuned, this show is for you. So with me in studio today is Michael Hart. He is the director of Elam Counseling Services. He is also an award-winning registered psychotherapist, and he joins us each and every week to explore these topics. So Michael, I'm so happy to be back with you and finish off this series by exploring the effects on children of narcissistic parents. So happy to be here, Melissa, and thank you so much for being here with us to look at this very important topic again. If we ever had any doubt about how important this topic is, we just need to take a look again at our YouTube channel because uh, people have been viewing these videos and people have been leaving comments and uh, just talking about their experiences. So I, I know that we are blessing a lot of people by dealing with this topic of narcissism. Narcissism, we seem to have hit a nerve. So this is part three. Part one, we did narcissistic fathers. Part two, narcissistic mothers. And now in this part three, we'll be looking at children of narcissistic parents and what to do about it. So I think this is going to be a very helpful show to a lot of of people who may have suffered at the hands of narcissistic parents. And so as we said in our past shows, we've looked a lot about the behaviors of the parents, but I'm wondering if as we launch into today's show, you can describe some of the general effects you see when you have maybe a 
an adult who as a child was raised by someone with a narcissistic mom or dad, what kind of effects does that have us on us as we grow up? We touched on this a little bit last week about some of the consequences of being raised in a, in a home where there's a narcissistic parent. And we referred to this study by Marja Mata from this University of Finland in Lapland, Lapland, Finland, University, Lapland University in Finland, where she talked about the, the three types of childhood that results from having narcissistic parents and we we talked about the isolated childhood where the mother enmeshes or the father enmeshes with the child so much so that the identity and the self autonomy of the child is is swallowed up by by that dependence on the child to satisfy their needs. So the child become isolated to the narcissistic parent, is robbed of opportunities to bond with their own peers, and as a result of that suffers a lot of social uh, damages and social consequences because they weren't allowed to, to grow in in the sense uh, to grow socially by interacting with others and then we talked about the denied childhood where the child needs were not met the needs of the parent took paramount and so children who grow up in those kind of settings often become adults who feel feels that their their needs are not important but in the study uh, by Marja Mata, she also talks about the third part, which is the incompetent child, where children of narcissists are put on this treadmill where they're ever trying to please their parents, but without success. So nothing that they ever do is good enough. And in in previous shows, we have talked about the, the narcissistic need. And uh, so children are trying so hard to fulfill this narcissistic need that they burn themselves out and they're frustrated and they develop this sense of futility as a result of trying harder and harder, but never being satisfied. So they, they, they develop this sense that they are not good enough that they're failures because they never met mom's or dad's standard. And so so how does experiencing those forms of childhood express themselves in behaviors as we become adults? Do are there themes that emerge in terms of how we we express ourselves as we go over? What kind of effects does this have on our relationships as we as we age? I think it it depends on a number of factors and one of the studies that I would like to refer to is a is a study or a book written by Daniel Shaw. He's a well-known researcher and he wrote this book, Traumatic Narcissism, Relations, Relational Structures of Subjugation. And this book was written in 2014. And in this book, he pointed out that there are two responses to narcissistic injury. And the first response is what he calls an internalized response. And this is where the child internalizes the voice of the parent. And so as they grow into adulthood, the sense that they're not good enough is is internalized and they begin to speak the same things in their thoughts. 
So if they have something that is difficult for them to attempt, they might not attempt it. They might not apply for that new position at work because the internalized voice of the narcissistic mother or father is saying to them, you are not going to be successful. You are not going to be good enough. Why did you fail again at this? You are stupid. And so they internalize that and it plays out in their actions and so these internalized narcissists these internalized children of narcissists often takes up partners who are narcissistic themselves because it's a continuation of the cycle of dysfunction that happened in childhood but then you also have uh what what Shaw called the externalized version or or externalized reaction to a narcissistic parent. And this is now where the child becomes a narcissist himself. And so he's acting out in narcissistic ways. And he has this desperate need to be the center of attention. And he goes through life craving attention because of his woundedness. And so he wants to be admired and wants to be, wants to be placed on a pedestal. And so he bullies his ways through relationship and, and tramples over the needs and feelings of others because according to Shaw, he has now externalized the, the voice of the parents. And what I find interesting about those two approaches is the dichotomy that they paint. And and as we've been going through this series, what we've found even in the comments on our YouTube page or talking with people, it's like a veil is being lifted off of people's eyes to see the dysfunction, as you say, in their upbringing. And now hopefully today people can identify some of their reactions to that upbringing, whether you're externalizing it or internalizing it, whatever the case may be for yourself. Yes, yes. But I think there another way of looking at it, other authors have talked about it from the perspective of the personality of the child. And what they say is that if you're a sensitive child, you're more likely to have the internalized voice because you're sensitive and you're, you're more likely to be thinking about pleasing others and working to please mom or dad that is a narcissist. But if you are an aggressive child by nature, extroverted by by nature, it's quite possible that you do the opposite and you become the narcissist yourself. So if you're listening, think about your family system and see who is like mom or who is like dad that was a narcissist. It's more likely to be the aggressive, the aggressive person that acts out the externalized voice. So if people have identified themselves or the people in their family system growing up who were dysfunctional, how can they begin to heal and get help? Because as we've talked about, the effects of this are, are far we- reaching at times. And often we repeat the same pattern of behavior over and over. So how can we begin to get healing in our lives? The very first step that Shaw points out in his book is that there needs to be a letting go of the desire to get the narcissistic parent's love. Because there is nothing that you do that is going to change the dysfunctional pattern. It's important for you to realize that what your parent has is is an illness, that they themselves has been wounded emotionally. If you were to know anything or to ask questions about 
your parent, your narcissistic parent's childhood, you will find that there is some severe emotional neglect or abuse or trauma that has been suffered by your parent as a child. And so if you can let go of that need to get mom's approval, that can be a very freeing experience. That can make you feel as if a weight has been lifted off your shoulder. That can make you feel as if you're broken free from a chain. That can make you feel as though you can breathe again and you can, you can live your own life. Because narcissistic children were on this treadmill trying to to work to to earn their parents uh love is frustrated and i've spoken to people even in their 60s who are still hoping that they can do something to get mom's approval and as we talked about it about on last week's show what is even more disappointing and frustrating for these children is that the golden child in the family will do one hundredth of what you did and will get mom's standing ovation and you are trying your best and nothing that you do is ever good enough. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Show. This week, we are talking about children of narcissistic parents. This is part three in our three-part series examining the relationships between children of narcissistic parents. In part one, we explored narcissistic fathers. Part two, we looked at narcissistic mothers. And again, this week, we are exploring the effects on the children and more importantly, how to get help. If you've missed the first half of today's show, we encourage you to go to YouTube and visit our Elam Counseling Services channel. While you're there, please ensure that you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions about this content or Elam Counseling Services overall, I also encourage you to call us toll-free at one 877 544 3546. Again, 1 877 544 3546. So, Michael, you are, we're beginning to unpack how people can get help and healing from this. So, you just finished describing the importance of giving up the idea of ever attaining or reaching that goal of the narcissistic parent. And I think what really struck me about that is the why it's important that you described there, because giving up that hope is a hard thing to do when you've been mm-hmm. clinging to it mm-hmm. your whole life. But you've painted a wonderful picture of why it's so important. What's another thing we can do to achieve healing? I think if we think about it in scriptural sense, Jesus talks about his yoke being easy and his burden, his light. The burden that narcissistic parents put on their children is is very hard to bear and hard to, to carry. And so when you do that first step of letting go and you're, relieved, you're released of that, the Bible also says that you cannot put new wine into old wineskin. And so Shaw also talks about this place where you need to replace old pattern with another pattern. You need to put to grieve the loss of what you're letting go of and put another pattern in its place. And so if you have developed this narcissistic dependence on your mom to to fill your need, you have to now let go of that expectation that mom is going to fulfill that need. But you also need to replace that with something 
else because there is going to be a void that is created. And so this void that is created can be filled by healthy things. The, the, the mistakes that is sometimes made is that people let go of this need to please mom and then they take up drinking or they, they take up some other dysfunctional pattern of behavior because the pain is so much to bear. But it's important to realize that you can substitute that dysfunctional pattern with something healthy. It could be a lifestyle change that represents new new workout uh, habits. Uh, it it could also new exercise uh, exercise routine. It could also mean becoming part of a congregation that gives you the sense of belonging and the sense of community. Other psychologists have talked talked about this need to belong as being the greatest of human need. And so if you're giving up this this narcissistic parent and saying, I'm letting go of that, I'm never going to have the attachment that I need with mom, I'm never going to meet her standards, then it's also important for you to surround yourself with others where you can get that love and attention and this feeling of belonging. A healthy, small group in a church can be that can be that safe place for you. So it's important to realize that you're not just giving up something when you're grieving and letting go of it, but you also need to do the second thing, which is replace it with something, grieve it and replace it with something healthier. As you're describing that, for me, it's really painting the picture of almost discovering who you are for the first time again. Is there a need to kind of rebuild your own perception of yourself as well? Because I'm just thinking you spend your whole life trying to become who this person wants you to be, whether it's your mom or your dad, and you're giving that up, I feel like I'd look in the mirror after that and be like, who on earth am I? Yes. Because I've spent my whole life becoming this person and now I'm letting that go. Is there a rebuild process that's required Yes, too? And, and that's such an important point, Melissa, because when you are... Uh, when you grow up with a narcissistic parent, everything is centered around the need of the narcissistic parent. And so you lose yourself. So Daniel Stern has come up with this model that he talked about this model of the core self of a healthy child. And he says that there are some things that need to be part of that core self, of that new healthy part of you. And the first thing that he says in this model is that you need to have a I am. Recognize that, that you are the I am statement, you're, that you're a physical cohesion and that there, there is a me apart from the narcissist because the enmeshment can be, can be so powerful that you lose the sense that you're a separate entity. But the only thing, the other thing that he talks about is that you need to have a sense of the future, that there is continuity, that there is a tomorrow. And that you you can you can you will make up as more or less time as the me as I am today. So in other words, when it comes to this continuity of tomorrow, is realize that you have a future apart from the narcissist. And it's not all about the narcissist's needs, but you have a future, you have a life outside of the narcissist. 
but he also talk about I can act, and this is again this 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 fact that you you are a separate autonomous being apart from the narcissist, and that you can act and do thing which is for you, which is which, which is for yourself, separate and apart from the life that you have lived to fulfill the narcissist's need. But he also talk about the I I feel. This, this this fourth part of the model is I feel. And he's saying that become aware of your own feelings and your own needs and pay attention to, to what your experiences and what your emotions are. So so the fourth part of the model is I am, I have a future, I can act, and I can feel. And it's very important that if you're recovering from... Uh, from narcissistic control that you begin to pay attention to these four parts of your life. I'm really picturing it like working a muscle because as we've talked about some of the ways narcissistic individuals act between things like gaslighting and stuff, after a while you probably don't even know what your own feeling is or even feel agency as you say to act. So using this model I think is a really great stepping stone for people. What other advice would you give to our listeners today? The other point that I would like to 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 to, to make here is that it's very important to begin to have compassion on yourself because oftentimes we internalize the narcissist voice and we begin to to speak negatively about ourselves. You can't do that. That position is too good for you. No one is going to believe in you. No one will trust you. You are not lovable. You're you're defective. And we begin to internalize that voice. So you need to become nice to yourself is how I would say it. You need to begin to say nice things. And, and I think the scriptures are very powerful here because the, 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 the Christian scriptures talk about us being sons and daughters of God. In other words, the scripture esteems us and puts us in this place where which is the opposite of what the narcissist tried to make us feel about ourselves. So we need to have this sense of compassion for ourselves. So one exercise that I I take children of narcissists through is to take them to this place where they can write to the inner child, write a letter to the inner child refuting all of the lies that they have come to believe about themselves. So it could sound something like this, Dear little Mary, you you have potential. You are not a failure as your mom has caused you to believe in yourself. You have talents. You have you have gifts that God has given you. You can be creative. And in other words, what you're doing is that you're undoing some of that damage that this inner child of yours that you still carry into adulthood is causing you to believe about yourself. So even, even that part of of Stern's model where he talks about I have a future. It might seem simple, but it's so important because a lot of time the the future, the sense of a future apart from the narcissist has been lost because it's all about what the narcissist needs, what the narcissist plans to do, and you are just a cog in that wheel that the narcissist spins. And so when you said, I have a future, it is saying that 
I have plans and ambitions for me that God wants me to accomplish for myself. So writing to that inner child that can be part of it. This is the future that I have for myself. And don't be afraid to dream. Don't be afraid to challenge some of that boundaries that the narcissist has put in place to try to limit you. And and I know in some of your exercises too, you you even walk people through the imagery of visualizing that little person and talk as you talk to them. And and again, we've done a, a few shows on this on our YouTube pages in the past, and we really do encourage you to look through that list and have a have a look and subscribe to our videos because I think we have over 150 videos there at the moment. So if you're identifying this with this, there's a lot of help you can get there. Yes, and what comes to mind is one of the comments by one of our our. What, one of the comments on the YouTube channel where this lady talks about she was married to this narcissist and she was probably the internalized version of the narcissistic child and this person she married to was the external version. So so she married this narcissist and she's saying she so lost herself that even years after after the separation, when they were in court and she saw this person, she couldn't even speak. She lost this sense of I am. She lost this sense that she can she can act and she couldn't even speak. She was speechless when she saw the narcissist. This is how powerful some of these effects are on, on the minds of people who have, who have lived with a narcissist. And so when you describe it in that powerful sense, and with some of the exercise you've talked about, my my gut is sensing that it's really hard to work through this in your on your own in a silo. So what recommendations do you have for people for reaching out for help and what they should be looking for when they are reaching out for help? I think that, that, that it's very important to get professional help because without this, these wounds are so deep when you have lived with a narcissist, that you need professional help to begin to find yourself again. But you also need to surround yourself with caring others, with others who can help you to start believe in your in yourself and can give you that sense of community. But the final point that I would like to make before we run out of time today is that you also need to forgive. Because when you start taking stock of what it is that this narcissistic parent have done for you, you can become very bitter and 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 carry a grudge against that person. But if you forgive this person, realizing, as I said earlier, that this person has been wounded too, it can help you to heal a lot faster. And so if you if you can bring yourself, it might take time, but just by working through it with the help of others in your in your Bible study group or with the help of a counselor, you can get to this place where you're saying, I am letting go of of any ill feeling that I'm carrying towards this narcissist. So I see that we're we're out of time today, but I want to thank all you listeners for listening. And this is such an important uh, show to to, to me and I know for a number of listeners so I, I want to encourage you if you have missed the first two episodes to go and listen to those episodes because I think it all fits together 
Very well. And if people are looking to reach out for help, we encourage you to go and give us a call toll-free at one 544 3546 Again, one 544 3546 Or you can go to our YouTube channel to watch this episode. Again, YouTube and search for Elam Counseling Services. We also want to remind you about the upcoming retreat that we have on June 7 to 9 at Providence point we're already taking uh registration so if you would like to be at this retreat this is a perfect place where if you have been wounded by a narcissistic parent you can also come to to find forgiveness and to let go of the of the lies and the negative labels that you have been carrying so if you want to find out more about this give us a call at one 877 or go to our website to register again i want to thank you so much for being with us on this episode of the life transformation show and stay tuned next week at 9 30 when we will have another interesting show lined up for you until next time this is your host michael hart of elim counseling services and melissa waggett praying together that god would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart